you. And I think I'm on here. Am I on? Good. Uh, praise the Lord. I was just coming down there to those rows to just kind of cast out the demons. <laughs> Folks, uh, I put a $50 bill uh, underneath one of the middle seats over here. Yeah. Man, I'm, I'm telling you what, I'm, 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 I'm going to do it. I'm going to just pay people to come over here. Do you understand when I'm standing here, I can't drag this pulpit over here. But uh, this side's winning still. Y'all got to come on back and start working harder because this side's winning over here. But um, one of these days, we're going to get this in field too. Amen. And uh, God's good. We're going to have good time. I, um, this is a, uh, we had a little bit, just to give you a little update just uh, moments ago uh, on our son-in-law. They did a heart catheterization. They got the results. Uh, praise the Lord, there was no blockages uh, in his heart. Uh, they saw a, I've never heard of it before, but they said it was a cracked artery. Uh, and the, and, but that they cannot, they can't do anything. Uh, it's going to have to heal on its own, and so um, they are going to put him on medication, whatever, and then I guess just send, send him home, and sounds to me like it's going to be a lot of rest, taking it easy, letting that heal, and uh, kind of what we were just talking about. I think uh, the Lord just going to allow him to understand he's going to have to slow down a little bit, amen? So, all right. Um, now I can get that out of my brain and out of my head. Maybe I can focus and try to preach to y'all uh, uh, what God has given to me. I want you to say, to, if you can come tonight, we have a lot of people that are, have uh, been hurting, a lot of people going through a lot of illness, a lot of suffering, a lot of things. And I'm going to, Lord helping me, I'm going to preach a message tonight that I would love to think there would be a help and a blessing and encouragement. It's, uh, it's just simply going to be titled, Lord, I Believe. Lord, I believe, and so uh, uh, I really want to want to help tonight, and, and 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 just if you could, if you could be here, uh, and you say, well, you know, everything's good with us, uh, then, but you know somebody in this church where it's not. Right. We've got enough people that are hurting and suffering that maybe it might help you be able to encourage them. We uh, this wonderful passage of scripture. We get down to verse three in John chapter twenty-one, verse three. And it says, Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. You ever been fishing and caught nothing? You know, and um, it's really a, a terrible place to be. And uh, in a, just a moment, worse than that's going to happen, somebody's going to show up on the shore and ask you if you caught anything. Uh, that's worse than not catching anything is when somebody hollers out there and says, hey, you get anything? Hey, look, if I had anything, I'd be holding it up so you could see it, <laughs> you know? Uh, so don't even go there. But, but that's not what happened. You know, truth is, is that um, we have to understand when, when Peter said, I go a fishing, he was not saying that... Uh, uh, you know, he's just, they're going to go relax and enjoy. You know, we've been to kind of, kind of rough thing. Jesus has been crucified and we're going to go fishing and kind of relax. That's not what he was saying at all. He was a fisherman by trade and he was going back to the old life. He was, uh, he had done his three and a half years, uh, with, with Jesus and, uh, now Jesus was gone. And, uh, so, Hey, I'm just going to go back to what I was doing. And, uh, and when he said that, all these other fellows said, well, we're going to go with you. 
Uh, so you have to understand, you know, this is just not some little fishing trip. Uh, I have to tell you this. I went on, uh, I've been on a few fishing trips that uh, were incredible, and two to, twice to Canada and once to Alaska. Um, pretty amazing. You say, man, you must be wealthy. No, I don't do anything unless somebody's paying for it. And so uh, and, uh, I had a buddy of mine all three times call me and said, would you go with me? And I say, sure. And I very diplomatically say, What's it going to cost you? And, uh, and so he took me all three times, but we went to Canada, and uh, we, we were catching a bunch of pike and stuff like that, and, and I didn't know what that was when I, you know, I showed that when I first went to reach into it, you know, grab him by his lip, uh, and they screamed at me, don't do that, son, you won't do that but once. But, but, uh, but we were fishing, and so I wanted to catch some bass because they said there were some big bass in there. And so I thought I would, you know, catch me some little brim. Some, that's what we call them down here, you know. I'd catch me something so from live bait so I could catch because they said it wasn't legal, but wasn't nobody out there. And so, uh, and so um, I, w- I was trying to have, find me a little hook, and I, and I finally I, I caught me one. And I was so excited. He was about that big, and I thought, I'm going to get me a good bass off of this thing. And so I hooked him up. And I threw him out there, and he slapped the water. And no sooner he slapped the water than a stinking seagull grabbed him. (laughs) And that really frustrated me because I watched him grab my fish and swallow it. The problem was he swallowed the hook and everything. And so I said, fine, I'm going to let you go. And he took, it was like a kite, he took off. And it was just, I let it, man, it just run and just, he's way up there. And I said, man, you don't even know what's about to happen. And I locked that thing and, and when I did, that fish came all the way back out of him. Because I saw him swallow it and it just came right back out of it. Well, that was so much fun, I did it again. I really did. For about 30 minutes, I was catching seagulls. I was throwing it throwing it out there, and they got to where they were catching it before it would hit the water. I mean, they would go, whoo, they'd grab it, and I'd go, poof, and pull it out, and before it hit the water, again, another one, poof, grab it, and I I just, I was having the greatest time in the world, but that's not what they were doing, and so uh, I also caught a turtle out there. He was about this big around. I mean, he was massive. He'd been out there like, you know, nine centuries, and uh, he was huge, and I, we were grilling out on a little island, and my buddy of mine's really good at, at grilling out fish, and so uh, that's part of the reason I like to go too. So, but we, we were cooking out on this island, some fish that we, we caught, and we were sitting there, and, and I just, I'm always trying to fish because I'm not cooking. So I'm, I'm trying to fish, and so I cast it out there, and all of a sudden something real slowly just started pulling everything down. And, man, I thought, I got a monster. Well, I did. And I started reeling up, and this thing goes, Poosh up to the top of the water, and I drug him all the way in, and, and his neck stretched out about that far. I mean, I just pulled, and that old neck came out. His head was about as, like that. And I reached down, and, and I was going to, I pulled my knife out, and I was going to cut his throat, you know, just because we were going to eat, I figured he'd eat turtle soup for a month. And, and so I reached down, and when I did, he goes, <laughs> I just cut the line. Away from me, man. It was like seeing a dinosaur. And so, uh, but that's not what they were doing. It wasn't what they were doing at all. Hopefully, it wasn't anyway. 
But you go to verse 4, you go to verse 4 of that same passage, if you're John chapter 21. John chapter 21, it says, But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. But I want you to look at what it says here. It says, But the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. It's, a, it's amazing, you know, how many times God's working and we don't recognize. He said, then Jesus saith unto them, children, have you any meat? And they answered him, no. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and ye shall find. And this is amazing. This really does amaze me. These are professional fishermen. The boats are not that big. They don't know it's Jesus. But whoever it is on the shore says, cast the net on the other side. Like the other side, the width of a boat is going to make a difference. And they do it. So they cast the net. It says, they cast therefore. And now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter. It's amazing how many times it talks about the disciples but, but then it names Peter. Saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked and did cast himself into the sea. Now it's a very unique passage here, but I, uh, we're going to talk about two of these men here in this passage. But I'm going to have a word of prayer. We'll get started. Father, I pray that you bless Holy Spirit of God. Guide my mind, my thoughts. Lord, I want to praise you and I want to thank you. I don't understand where the cracked artery is, but, but Lord, I, I know that somehow that I, I believe it to be better than blocked arteries and, and that trouble that that could cause. Lord, I pray now that you just use this as a, as a warning to them and Lord, that uh, you'd continue to heal. And then Father, I pray that right here that somebody in this room might have a cracked spiritual artery. And, Lord, that they'd understand that this is the place that you come for healing. The church is a hospital. And, Lord, I wouldn't claim to be much of a doctor, but, but in some ways uh, that's the position I hold in this hospital called the spiritual hospital called the church. And, Lord, I pray that you give me wisdom to bring the right remedy this morning to someone. Holy Spirit, guide my mind, please. In Jesus' name, amen. Grab my water here. Two men in this situation, of course there were more, but we're going to talk about two men. But two men and two completely different reactions that take place here. You see, we're going to talk about John and Peter. Two men had been through the same trials and heartaches and loss. Two men had walked with Jesus from the beginning. Two men had seen the miracles. They'd both seen all the same things. They'd been together through it all. When Jesus got one, he, he got both. They, they came to Jesus and started following him uh, almost at identical time. And so two men who had been through the same trials and heartaches and loss, these men who walked with Jesus from the beginning, they've seen the miracles that he performed and, and amazing miracles. But there's two totally different reactions 
that take place here. Now, I understand, it's, it's understandable that if you had a man and a woman that experienced all the same things and they reacted differently. Everywhere I go we, you, that we teach about, I'm going to go to uh, leave tonight and head toward Wisconsin and we'll do a family conference for the next couple of days and, 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 I, and probably I'll teach at some point this and, and, and husband and wives get this. Well, do you understand that men and women think differently? Anybody believe that? Anybody that understands that there are men and women on this planet, you understand that we, we think differently. If we, I, I told uh, a group of men the other day in a, in, a, in a service, I said, you know, fellas, some of you have been at this church for 10, 12 years. And I said, right now, if I gave you a test and asked you to describe the auditorium, the decorations, the carpet, the color of the pews, you would fail. You know why? Because when a man walks into the room, he wants to know two things. Is there food? Is there coffee? <laughs> he don't see anything else. A woman walks into the room for the first time. Somebody may be in this room for the first time ever, a lady. And right now, if I just, I said, okay, you're done. Just walk out of the room. Don't look anymore. Walk out of the room. And I gave you a pencil of paper and said, describe the decorations. Describe the colors. Describe the color. Not only would you know what it was, you would have an opinion about it. Because we just think totally different. We, we get all the information that we see. is totally, Now watch this. That's why you come up with different conclusions. That's why we fight so much. Because we see it so different. We're working with different information. You can tell that when women drive. You know where I'm going. My wife says to me all the time, Rob, you drive so long and so hard. You need to let me drive so you can rest. I said, Joe Beth, I get more rest when I'm driving than when you're driving. Watch this. When, when I drive down the road, watch it. Now look, don't get mad at me. I drive down the road, I see, you know, this kid on the roller skates over here. You know, I saw one last night. You know, he was on his rollerblades, whatever, and a hockey stick in his hand on the sidewalk. And I think, no matter how good you think you are, you could all of a sudden just come out in front of me. And, 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 and I see the motorcycle coming up over here, and I see the car that's weaved across the line a half mile down there a couple of times, and I'm kind of concerned whether he's texting or not. And so, and I see the brake lights three cars up. You know what my wife sees? She sees the bumper in front of her. And usually really close. I told her one day, I said, baby, we don't have a trailer hitch, so quit trying to hook on. And she'll say to me, you react so differently when something happens, an emergency happens on the road. I say, baby, it's not. You react. I'm acting. Because I kind of already saw it and planned. And you just went, you know, from the bumper to, ah! You know. And so it's a different reaction. We, we see things so differently, but, but when you have two men, we, we got to know that if we have two men walk into this room and walk back out, we got to know. They're going to look at, you say, what color is the carpet? He, look, his answer is going to be, I don't know and don't really care. Well, how about the pews? Did they blend with the carpet? We're going to look and say, are you crazy, man? I don't even, that doesn't even affect me. I don't care. Now, we got two men, though, who have experienced everything the same, but we're going to see two incredibly different reactions. 
Both men had left the old life for Christ. Both men had now left Christ for the old life. Both had fished all night and were weary. Both had heard a man on the shore. Both had experienced a great catch of fish, but this is where the difference begins. One man sees a miracle. The other sees a great catch of fish and an opportunity. Watch this now. It's here. One is appreciative. The other takes it for granted. Watch this. One remembers and the other does not. You say remembers what? Look at Luke chapter 5 verse 1. Luke chapter 5, verse 1, it says, It came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake. But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, remember Simon Peter? And prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he let, had left speaking, he said unto Simon, Launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all, all the night and have taken nothing. Does this sound like a story we just dealt with? Now, this happens, this is when Peter now just, he's really first meeting Jesus. Now, later, after he leaves Jesus, the same thing, they've toiled all night. Now, he says, we toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. Well, that's amazing. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes, and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came, filled both the ships, so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which he had taken. And so was also James and John the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus saith unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. For when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. With thrust out, uh, uh, so uh, they forsook all and followed him. And, and we'll stop there. One recognized Jesus because he remembered. You see, as soon as they caught this great catch of fish, they don't know who this is on land. All they know is everything they ever, they had been serving for three and a half years was now gone. They'd gone back to the old life. They're on the ship. They're far away from God. This man on the, on the shore says to cast out their net. They do. They've toiled all night, but now they cast out the ship. They have this great catch of, of fish. Suddenly, John remembers Suddenly, John says, I've seen this before. Hello, folks, whatever you're going through right now, have you ever seen God do something before? I've seen it before. 
This morning, one of the things that, as we went through the night last night with this difficulty with my son-in-law and, and this morning and listening so many times to my daughter cry over the phone as it just, it just overwhelming her, her heart. And they got a little, their seventh child coming in June. And, and just to even comprehend it, they're going through her mind that, that maybe she might be left alone with those children. And, and she, had, and listen, those two, they love each other so much. You can see it in their eyes. You can see it in their countenance. You can see it in everything about them. You say, how do you get through those times? And, and what do you do during those times? I'll tell you what I do. I've seen this before. I saw my, my little girls at a, at a car accident. I saw uh, my, my daughter Brooke and my daughter Candace both injured severely where they told us that Candy may never walk again if she lived. And, and they told us that Brooke might die on the table as her nose, had, uh, bone of her nose been pushed back into her brain at the accident and the spinal fluid coming out of her nose. But three, four hours later when the people of the nation prayed and as I knelt in a, in a waiting room and prayed beside their bed, three or four hours later they came to us and said we've made mistakes your little girl's neck's not broken it showed twice in two sets of x-rays that it was but this third set somehow it's vanished they told us that the bone and the spinal fluid had stopped and that the third set of x-rays that they sent across the nation to be read doesn't show the bone in the, protruding into the brain anymore and they looked at both times separately apologizing to us. And I said, apologize. Don't apologize to me that my children are going to be okay. You know what that was? There's a miracle working God. You know what John did? He looked and he said, this has happened before. And as soon as he saw what happened, he said, oh my, I remember this. But Peter didn't. The story says that Peter had to be told who he was. John had to say, it is the Lord. And the scripture says when Peter realized it was the Lord, now he knows because somebody told him, well, let me help you right now. If you're struggling, let somebody tell you, it's the Lord. One recognized Jesus, the other had to be reminded why does one man suddenly see the Savior when another struggles to see? Why does one man recognize Jesus and another does not? Why does one man remember the miracle and the other does not remember? I'm going to give you just some observations, some things that maybe might apply to our lives might help us. I think one, because one man was secure in his relationship in the first place and the other was insecure. You see, some come to God trying to earn his love and others know that God loves them and that love is given, not earned. You see, in John, all over, every time John is mentioned, he's the one who Jesus loved. He's just so solid in that love. He knows, even though he's gone, he knows that he's following Peter because Peter is always the leader. He's going with Peter because the leader. He's going because Jesus is gone. But watch this, Jesus being gone, John still believed Jesus loved him. But Peter's still struggling. Because Peter's like so many of us even come to church. We're here 
to earn that love one more time. We're here to say, God, God, be good to me, man. I, 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 I came to church. You got to love me, Lord. I came to church. Please love me, God. I came to church. Let me tell you, he loves you whether you come to church or you don't come to church. You say, then why not come to church? It's for your benefit. It's for our growth that we might learn truth, that we might learn how to live, that we might learn. Watch this now. It's not so he'll love you. It's so that we might learn how to love him more. Number two, because one man was looking for Jesus, the other was not. I want you to understand this. No matter how dark the day is that you're going through, when you, tr- when you have truly known full salvation, your heart continues to seek Jesus when it, even when it seems he's not there. At the darkest of days, you still yearn for him. You still seek him. You know, as I stood and held my little girl as she watched her 24-year-old husband take his last breath. And I felt her knees collapse under her and I held her up. I didn't know a day could get any darker than that. You say, what did you do? I was so confused, I didn't know what to do except pray. All I did was hold her and said, Lord, I need you right now. I don't know what to do. When you truly know in full salvation, your heart continues to seek Jesus even when it seems he's not there. The hard times come for us all, but in the midst we still have a compelling, a driving force inside of us to find Jesus. We need him. The problem is when the other man, when salvation came as a life preserver, as fire insurance, just to keep us from hell, we live seeking what brought us to salvation, which is our own needs and desires. When we simply got saved because of what it'll do for us, and we've never passed from that. Listen, I think it's wonderful. The scripture says, you know, that some get saved, so is by fire. And I think sometimes just the fact that I don't have to go to hell, I can go to heaven, that's good. But somewhere we've got to fall in love with Christ. We've got to love him because he first loved us. Number three, one man loves the Lord because he was influenced to go to the world. Uh, I'm sorry, one man loves the Lord but was influenced to go to the world. The other love what Jesus, listen to this, could do for him and influenced others to leave him for the world. Now I'm going to throw this out and this this is Sunday morning, but, but be very careful. Sadly, there's someone in here and nobody's any better than anybody else, but 
But listen, if you want your life to count for Christ, if you want your marriage to be what God would have it to be, if you want your children to be reared for God, if you want your grandchildren to continue to serve God and have the life, the joy that God promises, if you want that, now watch, there are going to be some that are going to come along, even in the church, they're going to influence you to pull away from God. And you got to be careful. You say, well, should I just shun them? No, let me tell you what you do. You love them and pray for them. Amen. Learn the art of changing the conversation. My wife worked with about 20 ladies, 25 ladies for 20 years, and they would cook meals and clean a building, getting ready for sailors to come in every weekend. And, man, they all had these different jobs and all these different things. And can I tell you, uh, you say, what was your wife's job? Her, my, her big job all the time was, was uh, her, uh, her job was to go around and keep the spirit right, and which meant she had to go enter into conversations, and she knew how to change that conversation to the positive, because if, if she didn't, pretty soon you're going to have some ladies that led other ladies to be upset Oh, we, would, we would tell them, they would call me, in, or I'd call them, and I'd say, okay, listen, they would say, how many do we have to plan to, for, to feed? And I'd say, well, statistically, going back to statistics last, uh, for the last few years, and on this off payday weekend, and on, uh, you know, in this kind of weather, I said, well, we're we probably going to be somewhere around 50, 60 sailors. And, and so they'd prepare food for 50, 60. I'd call them on the way back from the base. We got an hour and a half to get back from the base, and I would say to my wife, babe, we got 85. And my wife would always say, praise the Lord. You know why she would say that? Because the, so many of the other ladies would start saying, what are we going to do? We can't do this. Why they, are they think we, what do they think we can do? We don't have an hour and a half. <laughs> and she would say to them, look, ladies, having more sailors is a good thing. That's what we're trying to do. Amen. Poor ladies, y'all just taking a beating today, aren't you? I'm sorry. I really don't mean that. We couldn't have had our ministry. Those sailors, they didn't come down for me. They came down for their food. I used to tell a guy, I'd say, look, we're going to play football. If that didn't interest him, I'd say, you're going to spend time with the family. And if that didn't interest him, I'd say, we're going to have hot butter biscuits and gravy. They'd be there. All right. One man loved the Lord and the other loved being a success with the Lord. You see, I think John just simply loved the Lord. He understood Jesus loved him and he loved Jesus. Peter always seems like he's positioning, bragging. I'll never deny you, Lord. I hope as we're going through this, you understand what we're doing. We're, the question has to come, why are we here? You say, well, man, I want God to do good things for me. Well, there's a real big church down here that might help you more. with it. It's called Health and Wealth Gospel. Now, I don't, I'm not against them. But they're all over this nation that say, hey, if you come to God, Everything's going to go good. And you'll get everything you want. 
and you'll get wealthy and you'll get prosperous. Let me tell you who gets wealthy and prosperous over that kind of preaching. The guy who's doing it. All right? Now, I'm going to tell you that you're going to run into trouble in this life. And watch this. Here's how you're happy and full of joy with God. It's not because he gives you everything you want. Watch this. It's because you learn to want everything he gives you. Amen. Amen. All right. One man loved the Lord, another loved being a success with the Lord. So long as Jesus was being hailed, so long as Jesus was, being, was, was healing the sick, so long as Jesus was performing miracles, the one loved being with him because, you know what, you're in a pretty important spot. I'm with this guy. We're walking down there, and Jesus is touching people, him, and everybody's, oh, my goodness, look at him. And, and here's Peter. I'm with him. Well, just folks. Look at me. Hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Hey, I'm with him. John is just walking along beside Jesus. He don't know anything except Jesus loves him. And he knows it. And he's just getting more and more in love with Jesus. You say, Brother Hooker, how do you come up with this? How do you know this is in Peter's mind? Because as a competitive spirit and a guy that grew up in competition that always wanted to excel and always wanted to be the best at everything, this was me in my early Christianity. Hello? Now, if I'm willing to cut myself open and tell you the truth, isn't that a novel concept for a preacher? I'm going to tell you the truth. Won't happen again, but I'm going to tell you today. <laughs> when I was running a sports league with those sailors for all those years, it was amazing how many just wanted to be on the winning team. They'd see who had the strongest guys. They'd see the best quarterback. They'd see whoever, and they would, I'm going to play with them. And I'd say, but, you, but you're part of this team. No, I want to play with them. Why do you want to play with them? Because, man, we're going to win. And here's what I tell them. Why don't you go play with a team and make them win. Rather, go to the team that you already know is going to win. You see, that sometimes I think that's kind of what we, we do almost in Christianity. Let me have the best spot. There was no loyalty or love to, to the coach or the leader, just to winning. And when the team no longer was winning, I'd watch this too. When the team started struggling, they want to switch teams now. And I said, no, man, you're not going to switch teams. You've got to make them a winner. I love this. One of my guys that worked with me, he was a coach for many years, and I was walking by his team one time, and they, they had lost the first six games of the season. And I walked by him, and here's what he had his guys chanting. They were the, called, they were the Raiders. We just took you know, names, and we had four-team league. So they were the Raiders. And he said, uh, he had them chanting, I'd rather be a Raider and lose than be any other team and win. You know what he was teaching them? Hey, it's not about all about your glory it's about your team why are we here today the question comes for everyone is why are we here today and how do we can know why we're here today we can know it by the test that Jesus puts Peter through so let's just test ourselves with the same test that Jesus put Peter through if you go now to verse 11 in chapter 21 
Here's the test that comes to Peter. And this test for Peter was not a pass-fail test. This test was to reveal to Peter what he did not know. Simon Peter, verse 11 says, went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, 150 and three, for all there were so many, yet was not the net broken. And Jesus saith unto them, come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. This is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. So now look at verse 15. So when they had dined, Jesus saith to Simon Peter, why did he pick him out? Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? He said unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He said unto him, Feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. He saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, Lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. And yet, Peter, you're right. That's why he's asking you three times. Thou knowest that I love thee. Jesus saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Jesus knew Peter had a love problem. Peter was in love with himself. Peter was in love as a leader, as a success. Jesus was his avenue of success. Once Jesus, quote, failed, Peter was gone. The real question is, who do we really love? Who do you and I really love? Watch this, will reveal, will be revealed by who we feed. The scripture says in Romans chapter 16, verse 17, 18, Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause division and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. These that feed their own belly do not help the church, but rather destroy the church as Peter was attempting to do. Watch this. Peter attempted to destroy the church. Now understand, Peter was being influenced by Satan. Jesus had warned him, pray lest you enter into temptation. This temptation is continuing. Peter says, come with me. I'm leaving this life. I go fishing. You know, that was the church. Half of the disciples are going to go with him. We just had a church split. Philippians chapter 3, verse 17 through 20 says, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk, so as you have for an example, for many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, whose mind, who mind earthly things. For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Peter stated the right things. He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Peter, in his pride, said he would never deny Christ. Peter was ready to fight in the flesh against flesh for Christ. But Peter was the one used of Satan to try to destroy the church when he said, I go fishing and let others to go with him. Why? 
It was about what Jesus could do for Peter. Truly, what is in our heart's desire this morning? And here's the question. Is our heart's desire to be fed and blessed or to feed and bless? This will answer and will show us where we are spiritually today. Do we want to be fed and blessed? Or do we want to feed and bless? That's what the Christian life's really all about. That's why I may be the most blessed man in this world with my wife. 20 years, she took sailors home and 20 years of making breakfasts from four and five dozen biscuits for eight and 10 and 12 and 15 and 16 one night at our house where they would stay Saturday night. Cooking all day Saturday for all for a hundred guys and then, then taking 10, 12, 15, 20 home with her and us and we take care of them and feed them and t- provide for them and then when they're all gone then to do all the cleanup at both places because she said it's not about what somebody can do for us it's who we can feed I once had a married couple in my had a Sunday school class and it, it ran 200, 300 people buried in there as they all do. But I was at the time averaging probably about 225 people each uh, Sunday in the class. And Joe Beth said, you know, we ought, to, we ought to just bring four couples a week home all year long and we could bring everybody in the church home, which just to give you a fair warning, as soon as we can finally get a house, as soon as we can get furniture in that house, then we're going to start on Sunday bringing those of you that are willing to come home with us, home little by little, and have lunch with us. But we began doing that because that's what she wanted to do, and we took this adult, this couple with us. We had three other couples, and they went with us, and we ended up over the next several months, we counseled them, we called them, we worked with them, we did everything we could. But I'll be honest with you, I was uh, vice president of Bible college, I was uh, running a military ministry all weekend long, and I had this church that I was trying to take care of, and, and so um, this is the story I got, I guess they were gone three weeks from Sunday school and I didn't know it. So the next call I got was that since you don't care about us, we're not coming back. And they wouldn't even talk to us anymore because we had not called them. And I'm sure it was my organizational failure. But my question to them, they said, you didn't care about us. My question to them was, who did you care about? Who do you care about? Okay, I failed you, but then maybe you could not fail somebody else and care about them. 
It all comes down to this morning, really. Yes, believing that Jesus Christ died for our sins, to pay for our sins, and that we know for sure we're going to heaven. Had the joy yesterday, a, a man about my age in a neighborhood close by here, and, and he, I asked him, you know, the, the old question, you know, what percentage are you sure that you'd go to heaven? You know, are you 50% sure, 75%? He said, well, I'm a pretty good guy. I think about 80%. And, of course, that's not the way God wants you to be. He wants you to be 100% sure. He looked at me and he said, can you be 100%? I said, the Lord said, these things have I written unto you that you may know. I said, if you know, then you're 100%. And you're 100% because of what he said, not because of what you've done. And so we had the opportunity to go through the plan of salvation, and I had the opportunity to, to lead him to Christ. It's very, very important that we know 100% sure that we're going to heaven when we die. Because the truth is, until we have the Holy Spirit living within us, there is no hope that we will live for anyone but ourselves. Now you say, well, I don't know. I know a lost man. He's a very unselfish man. But I'm telling you, down deep inside, we have no alternative, but we are into self-preservation. But when the Holy Spirit of God comes to live in, you say, well, then now that's going to make me want to be a John, not a Peter. No, that gives you the opportunity to be. You see, remember, Peter walked with John, walked the same place John walked. Peter saw the same things John saw. Just like everybody in this room right now, you've heard everything the same. But who do you care about right now? Who do you, who do you want to feed right now? And I know it's 1210, so some of you are saying, ha, I want you to shut up so I can feed me. <laughs> and I know there's a natural tendency in there, but truth is, we have some new folks in here. And I was going to say the name and, huh? You got to say it louder than that if you're going to make me do good. Jay, Jessica. Jay and Jay. I knew it was JJ. <laughs> They're new here and visiting with us here, but you know, let me have. They won't stay here unless at least one of two things happen. If they find a church that loves the Lord more than they love themselves. Which means, that means they're going to love others more than they love themselves. Because that's what Jesus was about. Or, if they are people that just say, doesn't matter what you do, I'm going to love you. Because ultimately, that's real Christianity. That's the marriage. doesn't matter how she treats me. I'm going to love her. doesn't matter how he speaks to me. I'm going to love him. Christ and the church. Who do we care most about? 
It starts with salvation, knowing how much he loved you enough to die for you. Father, I pray that you bless.